0: Praise God. Some places we go to, we want to slip our iPods in and headbang to what's coming out of the iPod so we don't have to listen to what they're saying on the platform. But that's not the way here. So, I like those songs. If there's one thing that I absolutely am convinced of, I am convinced when I read my Bible... I am convinced of a, of a full redemption. I am convinced that we are not engaged in and we have not experienced a limited atonement, but that Jesus, through His death, His burial, His resurrection, He purchased for us everything that man lost in the fall. Limited atonement is defined a number of different ways, but one of the things that limited atonement teaches, and there are churches all over this area that teaches limited atonement. They're everywhere. They teach that Jesus only died for the people who are going to be saved. I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't die just for the people who were going to love Him. Jesus died for everybody because the Bible calls Jesus a just judge. He is just in the fact that He gives all of us the same opportunity. We can either accept Him or we can reject Him. Limited atonement says that Jesus only died for the people that He foreknew would be saved. Limited atonement says that Jesus only died to secure for us the power of forgiveness now, but we have to wait to get into heaven to experience all the blessings that God really have prepared for us. But I don't see that in the Bible either. The Bible says, Paul writing to the church at Corinth said, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. But, it is being revealed to them, or to us, by His Spirit that indwells us. Meaning that I don't have to wait to get to heaven. As a matter of fact, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I, I almost went into business with this other preacher. We we dreamed up some invention that's going to be some apparatus that you can attach around your waist and it has a boot on the back of it so that when you pull the string, the boot kicks you in the rear. Because I am convinced that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of things that we see in heaven and we're going to say, oh, if only we could have had that on the earth. And Jesus is going to say, you had every bit of it. Whack! Oh! Maybe that doesn't fit theology, but I think it's a great idea. Because people act like when we get to heaven, we're going to need demon casting out power. We don't need that in heaven. There aren't any demons. We need that here. So Jesus secured that right for us now. We won't need cancer, healing, power when we get to heaven. There will be no cancer in heaven. We need that now. And Jesus has secured that for us Now. It's not something that we're going to have to wait on. It's something that is available to us now. When the early church got into trouble in the book of Acts, the Bible said that when Peter and John were let go, they got into trouble because they healed the lame man outside the gate called Beautiful. When they were let go, the Bible said that they went to their own company and report it to all of them. Now we know that there were thousands and thousands in the church at that time because Peter's sermon won how many people? 3,000 were converted on the first sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And we know that the Scriptures then says that God added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So the church was growing exponentially. And the Bible says there in Acts chapter 4 that when they had been turned loose, after they had been whipped and commanded no longer to preach or teach in the name of Jesus that Peter and John went back to their own company, reported to them everything that the chief priests and the elders had said to them that they are no longer to preach and no longer to teach in the name of Jesus. So they began to pray. And they lifted up their voice, the Bible says, to God with one accord and said, Lord... Thou art God that's made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of your holy servant David said, "What did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the rulers rose up and the, and the rulers set themselves against the Lord, even against your anointed son Jesus to do whatsoever. Thy hand and counsel determined before to be done. But now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto Thy servants that with all boldness they may speak Thy word by stretching forth Thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Your holy child Jesus And as they had finished praying, the place where they were assembled together was shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Something happened when they prayed the Word of God. Something happened in Acts 4 when they began to remind the Lord of Psalm chapter 2. The heathen are raging. The people are plotting vain imaginations. But shake the kingdoms of the earth through the prayer of the church and let such earthquakes happen in the assembly of the saints that we are again filled with a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost that shakes rulers and kings and shakes sickness and disease off the bodies of those who are afflicted. It's not a limited atonement. Jesus paid for everything. It should not be when we see Jesus in the air that we go, Oh, that's what He looked like. If you'll take your Bible when you get home tonight and read through John's epistle in 1 John, the entire epistle, time and time and time and time and time again, John says, If they don't love, it's because they have not seen God. If they do not do this, it's because they have not seen God. If they do not walk in righteousness, it's because they have not seen God. If they do not do this, it's because they have not seen. John's entire epistle alludes to the fact that every one of us who names the name of Jesus ought to constantly be seeing God you got to see Him. John says if you don't see Him, you won't walk in righteousness. If you don't see Him, you won't hate sin. If you don't see Him, you won't quit sin. If you don't see Him, come on now, you won't love your brother. If you don't see Him, you won't have confidence toward God. You have to see Him. And it literally means exactly what it sounds like. John says you have to see Him. You have to get to such a place in your devotion to God that it's not just an experience, that it's not just an encounter, but you have had a face-to-face See, I absolutely believe, I mentioned this the other day, This some jerk down in, in California came up to me and said, you preach tonight that we are sons of God. You said, he said, that we are sons of God. I said, I didn't say that. The Bible said it. I just told you what the Bible said so he didn't believe that we're sons of god even though there is a majority of scriptures at least 70 plus of them in the new testament alone that tells us now are we the sons of god behold now are we the sons of god as many as received him to them gave he the power to become sons of god john's epistle is full of the reality that we are children of god romans 8 tells me that if i'm an heir of god then i'm a joint heir with jesus christ we are sons of God. We are children of God. And I just happen to look in the Bible and see the reality that Jesus' blood and His death bought for us such a high possibility of life that I refuse to put a limitation on the blood and the sacrifice of the Son of God. Paul writing about an offering must have got confused in Philippians chapter 4 because when he got to the end of saying, I know how to be a base, I know how to abound, I know how to suffer, I know how to be in lack, I know how to enjoy the blessings, but... One thing I have found, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He realized the power of the redemptive work of Jesus upon the cross to the point that it transcends and supersedes anything that our mind, our will, and our emotion tells us is a lack or a or a deficit in what Jesus has done for us. I know you're not shouting tonight, but it's true anyway. Jesus paid the ultimate price. One man... One of the church fathers said it this way, The Son of God became man so that men could become the sons of God. Meaning that the place that man lost with God in the garden, Jesus not only bought that back, He not only bought that back, but the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we are now in a new covenant that is based upon even better promises. So not only did He buy back for us on the cross what Adam and Eve lost and forfeited in the garden, but Jesus came to pay that penalty and then so much more so that we as the sons of God could come into a place of sonship and such deliverance that there would be no limitation in our spirits as it pertains to our relationship with God. To the point that even in the old covenant, God commanded through Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11. He said, when it, when it even comes to the works of my hands, you can command me. You can tell me what to do and I'll obey you when you have my word in your heart. That's exactly what Jesus said in John fifteen-seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you, my Father which is in heaven. Up until this time, oh, you don't like that one? Okay, let's try this one. Jesus said, up until this time, you've asked Me nothing. But now I command you to ask anything or make a demand on anything in My name, and My Father will do it for you that that your joy may be filled. As a matter of fact, in the Greek New Testament, for those of you that love the Greek New Testament, the Greek New Testament actually says words along this line, I demand you to command Me at once, and if I don't have it, I will create it for you. We have not experienced a limited atonement. We are not in some deficit or in some debt to God any longer. The ultimate price has been paid. The blood of the sacrificial lamb was more than enough. Listen to me. It was more than enough. Not only to cover the sin of all humanity, but to so add to and multiply to the children of God, the manifold blessings of God, that there is not one doubt in the mind of God, but that we are worthy to attain to the heir of the sons of God because of the righteous blood of the Lamb. There is absolutely no good reason why our prayers should go unanswered when we know the Word of God and we know the great price that has been paid to make us to become the children of God in the earth. The great paradox of theology is that God that was offended is the same God that gave the remedy to his offense. I say this often when my wife is upset with me, she does not tell me the route by which I need to go to make amends. I have to find that myself. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? Yes, you don't just go, now, the way you go and get back on my good side, that's a few and far between. There are times when I really do something that I shouldn't have done that I have to find out what's it going to take to get me back over there. The God who was offended, the Bible says in the Old Covenant, that God was angry at sin every day. And that God that was offended at sin said, I will remedy the problem myself. I will give the answer to my own offense. And then the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, again, toward the end of Romans 8, He said, if God freely gave us His Son, if He freely gave up His own Son, who was the righteous Son of God, shall He not also freely give us all things? If He gave us His Son, the most precious possession that the Father had, it wasn't angels, it wasn't planets, it wasn't universes, it was His Son, if He gave us Him, why would He hold anything else back is what Paul is saying. If He freely gave, He didn't just give half of Jesus. He didn't just give a little bit, a portion of Jesus. The Bible said, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus gave Himself an offering. He gave Himself an offering. It, didn't, it doesn't say He gave an offering. It says He gave Himself Here's the offering. Everything. He laid aside His eternal weight in glory, took on the fashion of men, because Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. You you don't get that if you get some of these funny versions. You don't know that. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those that are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why did Jesus come? He gave Himself for our sins, the Scripture says. That's why Jesus came. He didn't just give half of Himself. He gave the entire thing. Spirit, soul, and body was given as a sacrifice so that we could be redeemed, spirit, soul, and body. Oh, hallelujah. He carried every every sickness of the Spirit. He carried every sickness and disease of the soul. And He carried every sickness and disease and infirmity of the flesh. He gave Himself Spirit, Soul, and Body so that when Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he said that the God of peace shall sanctify you, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Because Jesus paid that ultimate price, Spirit, Soul, and Body, He can set you apart, Spirit, Soul, and Body, and make you fully redeemed done to God to become in the earth what the earth has never known before. Woo! Glory to God. I can quit right now and say I'm glad I came to church tonight. I don't buy into this thing that Jesus barely bought us. I don't buy into this idea that we're just poor little worms down here on the earth trying to make it through and just waiting on the clouds to split so Jesus can get us out of here. Hallelujah! Look over here, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. It amazes me when I read things like Acts chapter 1, where the angels appear after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. As Jesus ascends up into heaven, He blesses them, He ascends up into heaven, and a cloud receives Him out of their sight. And all of them are standing there looking up into heaven, wait, what's happening? And angels show up and say, you men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen taken away from you, He's going to come in like manner. You go and obey His Word, in other words, is what the angel said. And then here we are in 2010, we got we got entire genres of music that is all about the rapture of the church. We're standing there in direct rebellion to the Scriptures. The rapture of the church was never meant to be an escape hatch in the heavens to get us out of our danger. The rapture of the church is not supposed to be the escape hatch that pops open in the clouds just before we get in trouble so that we can get out of here. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! These moronic teachers that are telling us, oh yeah, everybody in all these other countries are being persecuted, but it'll never come to America. You know why? Because America, God loves America. Oh, God don't love Iraq, and God doesn't love Iran, and God doesn't... Oh no, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming to America. We are on a slippery slope right now, headlong into it. The only remedy is the power of the kingdom demonstrated on the earth. That's the only thing. The thing that saved the New Testament church was the power of miracles that they got in the name of Jesus. That was it. I just told you about Acts chapter 4. They said if you preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus, you're gonna die. They got into prayer and said, hey Jesus, that stuff that got us in trouble, we need some more of that. Because they realized if we ever start, if we ever stop getting miracles, they're gonna kill us. The miracles were the only thing that kept them alive. The miracle was the only thing in the Sanhedrin court that told them it might be God that we're fighting against because no man can do these miracles except God's with them. Miracles is what kept them alive. Miracles is what caused the early church to grow. Miracles and the power of the kingdom of God is what sustained the early church. The thing that will sustain the latter day church is no less than the power of the resurrected Christ flowing through a kingdom people who have submitted themselves fully unto the King of the kingdom. No, the rapture of the church was never meant to be an escape pass. Get me out of here. I know people right now, they say things like, well, I hope that Perry Stone's right because I've maxed out all my credit cards. Maybe Jesus will come back before I have to pay them. I question the salvation of people like that. Have you really experienced the new birth? The power of the new birth. Because we've fought a lie in the American church. We say salvation is us giving Jesus our heart. That's a lie. Salvation is God being able to give us His heart. It would do us well to read... Second Corinthians chapter five that says, "Because he gave himself for us, we ought to live every day of our life giving ourselves to him." First John's epistle, First John three sixteen. If we've seen that. He has laid down His life for the brethren. We ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. No, the rapture of the church is not an escape hatch in the heavens to get us out of our trouble. The power of the kingdom is the escape by which the church of the living God can flow in such dynamic power upon the earth that the kingdom come, the will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We impose the kingdom of God. We preach the gospel of the kingdom. We impose the power of the kingdom. And we raise up sons and daughters to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. To impose the power of the kingdom. And to raise up sons and daughters in the kingdom which will be sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And impose the power of the kingdom. And raise up sons and daughters in the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom power. Look what Jesus says to the woman here. John chapter 4. The woman at the well. Verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you'll neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You don't know what you worship. We know what we worship. Verse 22. For salvation is of the Jews. Look at verse 23. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Look at verse 23. But the hour comes and now is. How can it be both? If the hour is coming, how can it be now? Can I tell you that there are at least two different types of people in the church? And can I tell you that in the church we have this uncanny ability to look so far into the future that we miss what is available to us right now. Can I tell you that by looking so much to the coming of the Lord, we're missing a harvest that is available to us right now. By looking out in the distance, by looking out so far, we miss the thing that is right here upon us. Jesus said the hour is coming, and it now is. There are people in the church that all they talk about is what's coming. Revival's coming. You know what? I don't believe revival's coming. I believe revival is here. Just because you don't walk in it doesn't mean it's not here. Can I say that again? Just because some of us aren't walking in it doesn't mean it's not here. It just means we're not walking in it. There's something happening. There is something on the ground right now in the realm of the Spirit that I've never sensed before. There is, a, there is a release of the presence of God unlike anything I've ever known in my 15 years in the ministry. But I'll tell you right now, there are people in the middle of it that are saying, Oh, I'll be glad when revival starts. What that means is this. It doesn't look like I want it to look so it can't be it. It doesn't sound like I think it ought to sound, so this possibly cannot be it. It doesn't fit in my box, and it doesn't fit into my way of thinking, so there's no way that this is possibly it. And that's exactly what they said about Jesus. Aren't you the son of Joseph? Aren't you the carp... There's no way that you are the king of kings. But guess what? He was his There's no way with everything that's going on in the world, there's no way that there's revival on. No, 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 no. That's the wrong way to think. The right way to think is because all those things are going on in the world, it's it's signs that the revival is here. Because where sin does abound, my grace shall much more abound. We don't look at the world. I am so tired of Christians being led by nightly news and newspapers instead of the Word of God. We go to churches all over this country and they get up and they'll say, we know we're in the last days. Did you see what happened on the news last night? Oh, we're in the last... No, no, no. You know what? I have the Bible that told me I was in the last days. I didn't need... I don't care if it's Fox, if it's MSNBC, if it's CNN or any other... It, you know what? When you, when you allow that medium to be the only thought process that passes between your ears, you are in trouble. You are in bondage. That's right. Anytime you allow somebody else to do the thinking for you, you have lost the power and the ability that you have as a son of God to impose the power of the kingdom in that area. Well, I hope you get that one. Because as long as all we do is veg out in front of the TV and allow that thing to lull us into some stupor, we are only going to be as good as that thing tells us we are. And we are going to be reserved to the doom and the damnation that that thing tells me that I'm I'm imminently going toward. But when I look into the Word of God and I see that I can invoke power from a world that this world does not even know of, that Hebrews 6 says we can taste of powers of the worlds to come, when I get into that book and I ascend into a higher realm of understanding and revelation and begin to call that reality into this world, then I can impose the kingdom and change a structure that is upon a temporary planet. But if all I'm doing is waiting on something else, well, you know, something's coming, something's coming. Listen, let, let me tell you something. Something else is coming. Something better is out there. But I'm not going to look so far beyond what's available to me right now that I miss it by looking for something better. There is something right now available to the people of God that has never been available to us before. And you better catch what I'm about to say. The Bible said that we go from faith to faith. And we are changed from glory to glory as of by the Spirit of God. In other words, if you do not get this level of faith, you do not qualify for this level of faith. If you do not know how to walk in this level of glory, you will never get to this level of glory. This level of faith has to be laid in your life so that you can get to the next level of faith. There's no line jumpers in this realm. Uh, There's no line jumpers in this realm. There's no line breakers God is just. he got His eye on us. He knows you, you're not going to jump ahead. If you don't qualify, you ain't going. You can't pay Him off and you can't wish and hope it enough. You have to work. You have to lay the foundation of faith on this level in order to get to this level. Once you've lived there, then you qualify from faith To faith. Once you've lived there, then you qualify from faith to faith. The same with the glory of God. When you walk in a level of the glory of God for so long, then you will qualify for another level of glory. That's why the Bible said in the book of Jeremiah, if you can't outrun the foot soldier, how are you going to outrun or contend with the king's horse? If you can't outrun a two-legged man, how are you going to outrun the fastest horse in the kingdom? When are we going to come to this idea that if we can't get power over a headache, why do we think we are going to raise the dead? I don't understand that. I don't understand how we get this idea that we are one day going to wake up as such spiritual giants, and what the Bible commands us to do is grow up. What we want to do is wake up and all of a sudden be there. But that's not the way it works. You grow in the things of God. We advance in the kingdom of God. We take ground in the kingdom of God. You don't just wake up one day and go, Woo! I got the anointing to raise the dead. No, you have to start out with some other stuff and work your way up because you go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. This level of faith will produce in me a level of glory once I've walked in that level of glory, it will produce in me an extra level of faith. Meaning this, that once I've walked in this glory, then I realize, Woo, look at what's available to me at this level of glory. And then something begins to bubble on the inside of you. It's faith. And you begin to say, oh, if this is available to me on this level, what is available to me if I keep pursuing and I get advanced to another level? And that faith begins to operate in your life. And the next thing you know, whoop, you got projected into a brand new level of glory. And you begin to think, oh, I never thought any of this would be possible. I didn't know this would be possible. But oh, thank God for what's in this level of glory. And then you begin to think, well, if this is possible in this level of glory, what could be possible if I keep pursuing this thing? And I keep allowing God, like John the Baptist, I must decrease so that he can increase as I keep going into this thing and I keep giving myself to this thing, what could be available to me? Let me close by saying this. I didn't do this verse justice, but anyway, I'm closing. We did the youth conference in Maui in March. One of the things that Mandy and I talk about all the time, it's one of our missions, it's just what we're doing, because the Lord's, the Lord's dealing with Mandy and I about some very specific things in our ministry. And I say this Often. Mandy and I are on a quest. We're in a search for a generation that's not trying to see how worldly they can live and still make it into heaven, but how heavenly we can be and still live on the earth. Enoch walked with God and was not. For God translated him that he should not see death. It means that Enoch walked with God. Could you imagine God and Enoch walking down the road? Because when the Bible said that Enoch walked with God, it means Enoch walked with God. Because God's real; He exists. Could you imagine Enoch and God won't walk together? And Enoch, if he'd had a watch, he'd look at it and say, "I need to get back home." I, you know, I. You know, Lord, I, I better I better take off. Could you imagine God looking at Enoch saying, hey, You're closer to my house than you are yours. Why don't you just come on with me? And he was not. For God took him that he should... And Enoch, poof. But is Enoch... Does he still exist? Absolutely. What if there's a generation that says... I don't want to see how involved I can get with the world. I want to see how involved I can get with the heavenly kingdom coming to the earth. Listen, the epistle of John is so powerful. John says, if all you talk about is the world, if you're connected to the world and all you talk about is the world, then the world will like you, John says. But if you get so involved in the kingdom of God, the world has nothing to do with you. People talk to us all the time, and, and it doesn't bother us. People don't talk to us all the time about movie, about movies and and uh, actors and actresses and songs and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, the best we can, we just look at them. Yeah, we we saw we saw a commercial about that one day. We 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 just don't know and I'm not making an apology, and I'm not saying that we're better than you. I'm just saying, we just don't know. Because as good as those things are in their place, there still has to be that thing on the inside of us that even while we're enjoying them in in their place, there is still something in us that says, this is okay, but I do know a place that is so much better this is great. We had a great experience. had a great time. But I do know of a place that I can get into that so supersedes anything that I just encountered in that thing. When I, before I turned 20 years old, my brother, he, he, went, he went ridiculous, just ridiculous. He went, He said, I, I want to buy you something for your birthday. I said, okay. No, I wasn't 20. I was, I was turning 18. He said, I want to buy you something. I said, okay. Okay. And my brother at that time was not saved. He got saved just a few few weeks afterwards. He bought me a concert ticket to the Eagles. The tour was called When Hell Freezes Over. I didn't know what he had bought me. So he told me to get ready. I'm coming by. I'll pick you up. And we're going to go to this thing. So I get in the car. We're on our way to Birmingham, Alabama. I don't have a clue where we're going. And I said, I was like, what? What are we doing? He said, we're going to a concert. I said, oh God. my heart just... I said, what concert? Because I knew from living there that the Grateful Dead was just in Birmingham doing a concert. And I thought, if my brother bought me a concert, a concert ticket to the Grateful Dead, there's going to there's be a Grateful Dead. <laughs> Somebody's going to die on this trip right here. And it ended up being the Eagles. I didn't have a clue who the Eagles were, my mama did. She kind of envied me, even though she was safe. She liked them. And I got down there, and I'm telling you that he bought me a ticket right on the floor. There we were, right up close to the stage. The lights went off, and the first note was struck on the on the guitar. And there was smells and aromas that filled that civic arena that I don't think has ever left my body until now, and that was... Long time ago, they were saying, the cops came in, policemen came in, started dragging people out. There was such ungodly scenes going on all around me. I just, I didn't know the songs anyway. I, I, here I am. I'm, I'm. I'm about, you know, I'm, I'm turning 18. i got my hands on my I'm, I'm not old enough for this. I don't care if I live to be 90 years old. I'm not old enough to see this. I'm not old enough to smell this. I'm not old enough to look around, see anything that's happening in this room. I can't believe my brother bought me this. I look over at him. He's up on top of the seat. Ah! He's got cigar, cigarette lighters and all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? And then they end the concert with Hotel California and the whole place went wild and Demons started possessing people. I know it's real. I know it was true. It was just like, ah. Like, what in the world am I doing here? And some of the Grateful Dead was still outside in the Civic Hall, outside selling brownies. Eyes rolled back in the back of there. We could have stole the whole pan of brownies. They wouldn't have known. Just trying to get to the next gig. Just trying to get to the... I said, hey... Why don't you buy me one of them brownies? He said, you don't want them brownies. Them brownies. They miscegenated. We are in this world. Here's what happened. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We are here to impose a higher kingdom. And in the middle of that concert, listen, I'm telling you, you can be anywhere in this world. And the Bible said the entire earth is filled with the glory of God. In the middle of that, while I've got one hand over my eyes because there's such stuff going on that nobody needs to know what was happening in that arena that night. And there was things going on, and I didn't want to listen to what, but I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, in the middle of that auditorium. In the middle of that arena, there is a place. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe. In the middle of all that, Jesus and the presence of Jesus came and touched me right where I was. And I got I got stolen away from all that that was around me because the presence of Jesus is more powerful than any of that So, You may come from a home Where people don't believe in Jesus, you may come, you may be married to a man, you may be married to a woman that don't trust Jesus, that don't believe in Jesus. But I'm telling you, in the middle of that, believe me, if you know my testimony, you know, in the middle of that, the sweet presence of Jesus can come and rescue you out of that. Not that He delivers you totally out of the situation, but He will deliver you in the middle of the situation. Jesus didn't take the disciples out of that boat when the storm was around them. But what He did was gave them something inside of the storm that was more powerful than the storm. My peace I leave with you. Not the peace of the world, Jesus said, but my peace. Come on, just close your eyes. Father, tonight I thank You for Your people. I thank You for Casey Wasilla. We thank You for what You're doing in this valley. We we pray that You continually come. Impose Your kingdom upon the earth. We give ourselves to You. We say yes to You, Jesus. We do not want one no in us concerning Your will, concerning Your plan. So we bless You tonight, King Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, at this moment, we're going to receive an offering and then we'll dismiss ushers will be up and down the aisle if you need an offering envelope you can slip up your hand this offering goes to mandy and i tomorrow we leave to go to delta junction how many services are we doing up there four or five we're actually going to go over and look at the building and and the stuff over in toke just to see when the foot of our when the sole of our foot touches that ground the lord's going to give it to us hallelujah we're going to impose this kingdom. And I, I, I'm i not officially KC, but I, but in here the DNA is in there. So this offering goes, If I don't know, the offerings were so great Sunday. You guys really blessed us on Sunday, Sunday night. I don't know if, we, we don't know if the Japan trip is fully taken care of yet. If it's not, it's getting close. If you want to designate something to Japan, you can do that. If not, we'll just use it so I can keep my schoolboy figure. Preacher got to eat. Listen, preacher got to eat. That's all there is to it. Ever since that rooster crowed and told old Peter, preacher's been eating chicken ever since to show them. Especially on Kauai, right? If you need an envelope, you can raise your hand. We'll pray and bless it. Did you just get it. Come on with us. Pastor here. Come on with us. <laughs> Everybody that needs an offering envelope, got one. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Father, thank You tonight for these Your people. Thank You for their faithfulness to give to You. You said that if a man will give what he's purposed in his heart, You will make all grace abound toward him that he, having all sufficiency, may abound to every good work. You said You'll multiply the seed sown And you'll give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So, Lord, we claim those promises tonight. And we pray again and invoke a special blessing on every person that participates in this offering tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, gentlemen.
1: and your generosity. So thank you. Let's just, uh, remember Paul told, I think it was in Thessalonians, but I couldn't find it, where he said that the word preached didn't profit a certain group of people because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. So let's mix some faith with that message that we heard tonight. That was a powerful message. Let's mix some faith on purpose. Let's on purpose believe what was said tonight. Let's close our eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, We thank you that we have been fully atoned, that we were fully paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We thank you, Lord, that you secured for us healing in our bodies. We thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, Peter said, we were healed. We believe in what you did. We believe in the power of what happened when those stripes were placed on your back. Lord, we believe that that was for our healing. And that today we are healed. Every affliction, every infirmity in Jesus' name must go. We receive healing because of what you went through, Jesus. We thank you that you secured for us peace in our mind, wholeness of mind, complete rest in our soul. So in Jesus' name, we receive what you did, Lord. We receive what you paid for. We receive that gift in the name of Jesus. And we speak peace to every mind in this room. Every mind be at peace in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus, that you said you are anointed to bind the broken hearted. And we receive that anointing now. Broken hearts be mended in the name of Jesus. Come on, I just believe if you mix faith with what's happening right now, if you mix faith and you, if you just believe on what Jesus did, whatever you need right now can be fixed. There are issues that some of you have had for years, maybe even since your childhood, that you've never gotten over. But right now, if you will mix with the message of the gospel if you'll mix faith with this message that Jesus purchased your healing you can be whole forever and never more deal with that issue Jesus we believe on what you did We believe that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Jesus, we receive the gift of righteousness and abundance of grace. We thank you that we are righteous in your sight. We thank you that you provide everything that we have need for. Lord, we believe on what you did. In this room, we have faith in your blood, Jesus, that it is more than enough to make us everything we need to be in the earth. Let's just raise our hands and give thanks. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, out of your mouth, just bless the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, for what You did. Thank You that You did it completely. Thank You that You didn't leave anything out. Thank You, Jesus, that You remedied every problem we would ever face. Thank You, Jesus, for what You did. It is good enough for us. It's good enough for us, Jesus. We believe that what You did fixes us completely and makes us completely new. If you're in this room and you feel conviction over sin in your life, or your heart doesn't feel assured in His presence. You feel uncomfortable. You feel like you've done something wrong. You feel guilt. Right now, you can be right with the Lord. There is nothing better than a clean conscience. The Hebrew writer said that Jesus' blood sprinkles our heart from an evil conscience. And that is the greatest gift that there is, to be able to lay down at night and have a clean conscience. In the presence of God, when you're right here, you don't feel uncomfortable. You know that this is where you belong because your conscience is clean. So right now, I'm just going to open my eyes. Is there anyone in here that you can't say that? You can't say that you have a clean conscience before the Lord. I just want you to lift your hand up right now, and we're going to pray. I'm looking around. Is there anyone? Okay, I see that hand. Anyone else, you want your conscience, your heart to be clean tonight. All right, well, we're going to pray. Why don't you just come on up? Come on, stretch your hands out toward our brother here. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your blood makes the vilest sinner clean. Thank you that your blood makes us as white as snow. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Glory and honor to you, Jesus, for what you've done. Jesus. Come on, just worship him just for another moment. Just thank the Lord. If you need anything, if you need healing, just receive it in your body. He already paid for it. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain. We worship you, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you would like us to lay hands on you, you can come on up at this time and we'll minister to you. If not, you'll we'll just be dismissed, but okay. Those of you if, who have to slip out, um, we just uh, pray the Lord would bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And we'll see you on Sunday. Amen? And be released.